All right, it's episode 27, Pain Points of Wealth, and inflation has arrived. Don't say we didn't warn you. We've talked about inflation, and it's here. Commodity prices are going through the roof. Energy prices are up over 20% this year. Lumber prices up over 50%. Corn up over 30%. Cost of living's going up. How do you position your portfolio? We're going to break it down for you. We warned you about it. Now we're going to show you exactly how to invest your money, along with what age are you today? What do you have to think about when you're 30, 40, 50, 60? When it comes to your financial plan, we're going to tell you exactly what you need to think about at any stage of your journey. So let's hop to it. We got a great show this morning. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey, Rye, you're absolutely right. Hey, Chris, did you see what oil did in the last two days? 5% in two days, joined with lumber, silver, copper, gold, oil. All commodities are moving higher. Interest rates are moving up. The dollar's going down. And the Fed keeps telling us, don't worry, they're willing to let inflation run hot. Well, how do you define hot? And how hot is hot? Well, look, don't say we didn't warn you. I mean, all we talked about when we started our podcast last year, when we got into the fall, was how being in technology was not going to be the place to be when the economy reopened. And that's exactly what's happened. If you look at big tech specifically, guys, it's underperformed for months now. And as we're recording this, Tesla is finally starting to go down. And we called all these things just months ago. We saw it coming because what we said was the reopening of the economy was not going to benefit things like big tech or the S&P 500, which is basically just a tech fun and drag. All right. Somebody forgot to tell the stock market because software stocks as of last week we're selling as high as 44 times forward sales. Not earnings, sales. You know, if you had, Chris, if you had a company like Amazon, right, selling at 44 times their forward sales, the stock would be $20 trillion. Well, it's worth a trillion, but 20 trillion is a lot of money. I think 20 trillion is an incredible amount of money. And you know what? I'm getting calls every day now to buy companies that I personally have never even heard of. I got a call this morning to buy a stock that's trading at 70,000 times. Let me say that again, 70,000 times forward earnings. Well, let's put that into layman's terms, right? What that means is it's trading for 70,000 years worth of profits. 70,000 years. <laughs> so what you're basically saying today is you're going to realize all these companies' profits over the next 70,000 years. I don't know if any companies have ever been around for 70,000 years. Well, well, that certainly bodes well for generational planning, doesn't it, guys? Yeah, it sure does, Chris. And I'll tell you what, what happens when the 10-year treasury yield, which is now about 1.3%, goes to 2%, right? If you're sitting there as a big investor and you have your money sitting in government bonds making zero, well, you know, stocks look pretty attractive. But all of a sudden you get 2% on the 10-year treasury, you're going to start seeing money come out of risk assets and move into bonds. Now, guys, I don't know if you remember, but you know, Rye, when you were born, the 10-year treasury was trading at around 14%. Yeah, I wish I could get 14% of my money in a guaranteed treasury. That sounds like I'd lock my money up forever if I could. But I think let's break it down for a second here. So what is inflation? I mean, the simplest economic term is you have too many dollars chasing too few goods. And one of the big problems right now is the government has created so much money. In fact, the money supply has increased by 26%. 
That's the most since 1943, guys. And what that means is there's just so much money out there and all that money is going to be chasing a finite amount of goods. So when you talk about something like oil, which is finite, or gold or copper, they're finite, it increases the prices because the supply and demand gets out of whack. And right now, there's just too much money out there. And that's the inherent problem. And that's what causes inflation. So right, I don't think that's the right question. I mean, people are saying, is there inflation? I think the question is, how high is inflation going to go versus what everybody expects? Right, Just a year ago, just a couple of months ago, no one expected inflation to go up at all. And now you can see it right across the board. And the best indication is you have interest rates going up. Now, how does that impact you and your portfolio? Well, the thing we see all the time, right? we look at like, let's say 50, 60 portfolios a month. We probably look at more portfolios than anybody on the planet. Is The question you have to ask yourself is, do you have a portfolio that can deal with inflation or do you have what we call the anti-inflation portfolio? Meaning your portfolio is not set up for the fact that prices are going higher. And Chris, I know when we look at portfolios every week, odds are you have an anti-inflation portfolio and that's a problem. So what's the problem with inflation, right? Hey, Chris, so what if you have a little bit of inflation? Well, if you have a portfolio that's loaded with growth stocks, when inflation goes up, interest rates go up. When interest rates go up, the price earnings ratio, in other words, the valuation on growth stocks goes down. That's why the NASDAQ's getting hammered right now. The other thing that happens is your bond portfolio goes down. Now, listen, we love bonds, right? We love bonds that pay a coupon. We love bonds that pay interest. And then they come due and you get the money back in your portfolio. What I despise, what I've been ranting about for 40 years, I'm like a maniac when it comes to bond funds. I can't stand bond funds. You know why? They don't work. They're weapons of mass financial destruction, and they're getting destroyed right now. And you better make sure you don't have them in your portfolio. Well, I can tell you one thing. None of our clients own bond funds in their portfolio, and they all have inflation-protected portfolios. But I'll tell you what, guys. I've been getting more and more calls every week to buy more and more growth stocks. Like, For example, recently, one of my clients called to buy these ARC funds, and they're all growth. And you know what? If they, after they bought them, they're down like 4 or 5% as of today. Hey, Chris, it's more like 9 to 15%. And you know what? It's not growth. These are growth at an unreasonable valuation. In other words, they're overpaying for growth. As Brian said, you buy something with a 70 PE ratio, that's 70 years of earnings, you know, profits that you have to earn immediately. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I think it's like, what's a growth stock, right? And this is, it seems like conventional wisdom to say, well, I'm going to own Apple stock. I'm going to own Amazon stock here, right? These are great companies. They're going to be around. And I agree. I think they are going to be around. But the question is, what price are you buying them at? And I think Apple's a perfect example. Warren Buffett's taking profits on his Apple stock. The smartest investor of our generation, he's not buying more right now. And that's because the price has already gone up so much. It's what you call fully valued. And I think the problem is we look at the growth over the last five, 10 years, and especially the last five years for big tech stocks that everyone loved, is they went up so much, it's just too hard to go up the same amount moving forward. So it's just like the law of big numbers. It's like Amazon made $10 billion in profits in 2019, and they doubled it. They did $20 billion in 2020. Well, they're probably not going to do $40 billion this year. It's just too hard to do it. So therefore, all that great growth has already been realized. Hence, growth stocks are fully valued. Yeah, of course, the Oracle of Omaha was selling some of his Apple, selling his growth companies, and he's redeploying that money into the stocks that are going up right now. Companies like energy companies, right? Their energy companies benefit when the price of oil goes up. You know, we have a big freeze in Texas and oil's going up right now because the pipelines are still frozen. You know, they can't restart the uh, pumps on the oil wells. 
So it's going to take a little bit of time for that oil to get back into the system. Meanwhile, everybody thinks we're going to be driving electric cars. Well, we are, but in 10 years, five years, not in five weeks or five months or 30 months. Next 30 months, we're all going to be using a lot of carbon, and that's going to benefit the energy industry because before you know it, you're all going to be out there traveling, driving, flying, and you're going to be burning a lot of carbon, and that's going to benefit the energy stocks. That's why they're going up right now. Bob, you've inspired me because literally the other day before we were recording this, Bitcoin hit a trillion dollar market capitalization. Bitcoin. You could literally take all that Bitcoin and buy the entire energy sector of the United States right now, all the infrastructure, physical assets. I have to say, based on what you're telling me here, that's going to be the greatest trade of a lifetime to sell all that Bitcoin and buy all these energy assets while they're so dirt cheap. That's why even an old dog like me needs an advisor like you, right? I took that trade. Bitcoin's down 22%. My energy's up 5% just in the last two days. You know, some people call you a genius. I just call you my son. Well, you know what, Dad? Recently, I got a call from one of my clients who got half that trade, right? They wanted to sell their Bitcoin, but they wanted to sell their Bitcoin in preparation of the Coinbase IPO. So in other words, he wanted to sell all of his Bitcoin so he could buy into the Coinbase initial public offering. So guys, I need just to sum it up. When you look at your investment strategy right now, it's old school over new school. New school has had a big run that runs probably near the end. I don't know if we're, they're there yet 100%, but old school is probably going to win the next five to 10 years. That's how you have to position your portfolio. Hey, Ryan, I think it's even more simple than that. You sell it's what's way up for 10 years and you buy what hasn't gone up. I mean, it's sell high, buy low. It's the trade of the year. It's the big surprise in 2021. It's happening in plain sight. Bob, I'm writing that down. Buy low, sell high. You're a market genius. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Pain Points of Wealth. If you really like our content, don't be shy. Please slam on that like button. And if you want our content every single week delivered to your inbox, click the subscribe button, become a subscriber to our podcast, and leave a comment below. Anything you want us to talk about, engage with, anything financially speaking, We'd love to put it on the show. Put some comments in the comment section. We answer all your questions directly. And guys, it's the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point. That's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, as we like to say at our firm, Pain Capital Management, financial planning is a journey, not a destination. And depending on where you are in that journey, there's different issues you have to address at different ages. And so at different ages, you need to solve for different problems, Bob. Hey guys, you know, you were 30 just the other day. And remember how long it took for that first 30 years to go by, especially when you were sitting in that economics 101 class, watching the clock tick slowly past that hour, hoping it'll end very quickly. But the first 30 years seem to take forever. The next 30 years, they're gone in a blink of an eye. That's when you got to start planning, Chris. You got to start thinking about, I'm going to be 65 before I know it. And that's when you start real planning when you're 30. You know, it's totally true, Dad, and I can completely relate to that. You know, I got into the financial services business when I was in my 30s. Actually, when I turned 30 was the first year that I worked as a financial advisor. And it was the first time in my life that I actually sat down and put together a comprehensive plan. It's not because it was something that I was inspired to do. I was just doing it for all my clients. And I woke up and I said, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to preach this information to everybody else. I really should do it for myself. And now I sit down every single year, tally up everything that I have, take a look at what I'm saving. And I have a pretty good financial plan over the past 10 years. It's really made a lot of progress. So you've given yourself good advice, Chris. That's heartening to hear. I'd like to think I'm taking my own medicine, Rye. 
Well, I think the big thing is if you're in your 30s, it's kind of like you start to accumulate some money, hopefully. You have some maybe some old 401ks out there because maybe you switched jobs at this point. Your career is probably on track. And you're at a point now where you probably need to really tally up your assets. Start looking at like, what do I actually have? Should I consolidate some of my retirement plans? What kind of debt do I have? Right? If you have a mortgage right now, should that be refinanced? Are you still sitting with some old student debt? But I think it's really about having that assets and liability spreadsheet. And that's something you know, we build for clients, but it's something you really need to start to get a grip on is exactly what you have. And it's surprising how many times you'll find that you don't even know what you own right now because you have too many accounts scattered at different places with no consolidated plan. Well, you guys know the old expression, you know, youth is wasted on the young. I mean, it's the greatest time in your life to be a smart investor because you have the number one reason wealth is created on your side. It's called time and compounding. So when you're in your 30s, you want to make sure you're funding that 529 plan for your children, that you're funding your 401k, both you and your spouse, that you're funding the health savings account for you and your spouse. Just let that money work and it's long-term money. You'll forget about it. You'll compound. It's the greatest wealth creation engine in the history of the planet. And you've got to take advantage of it while you're in your 30s. And a side note on that, Bitcoin does not compound because it pays no dividends. Just food for thought. But guys, when you get in your 40s like me, this is when it's time to get that budget. Now, do it earlier if you can, but if you haven't done it yet, I find most people in their 40s struggle with is you know maybe you have a family now. You have a lot more household expenses than you used to have. You're not quite sure what you're saving anymore versus what's just going out the door every month. And I think it's one of the hardest things that we all struggle with, but it's so critical at this point to finally get a budget in line and really start to hone in on what your savings goals are. Because ideally, you're maxing out your 401k. But above and beyond that, you're saving in a regular savings account. And you've got to really start to hone in those numbers. And I would argue this is usually when you want a financial advisor. You know, there's always, there's never a time where you shouldn't have a financial advisor because you never know what you don't know. And just think about where you are in your career when you're in your 30s and your 40s. You know, you're really good at what you do, but you know, you're also on the fast track in your career. This is where you really accelerate in terms of income and advancement. You don't have time to think about a financial plan. You want to hire an expert who's as expert as you are in the job you do in what they do as a professional advisor. Well, you know what, guys? I think budget can be a very intimidating word. I think it's more along the lines of getting a better understanding of how much you're actually spending. You know, what's going in, coming in the door and what's going out the door. And by doing that, you know, if you're able to get an understanding of what you're spending, then you can get a handle on exactly what, what you're saving. And if it's something that you're reviewing on a consistent basis, it's amazing what happens. It's amazing how much you're going to accumulate in assets. You know, it's even simpler than that, Chris. I think with the uh, 40-year-olds I've sat down with in my career, I ask one question. Not how much did you spend last year? How much did you save? And then numbers add up pretty quickly. Yeah, it's crazy how much we're not saving. And because we don't have that... I know Chris doesn't like to use the word budget, but have that budget to really know what's going in and out. Because then you can start to trim down on the things that you shouldn't be spending money on and save a little more. Which brings you to your 50s. In your 50s, things are starting to get real. You're not that far away from financial independence if you've been following a plan. And this is where you have things like, guys, those catch-up provisions where you can add more to your 401k and your IRA. And you want to start to really think about what age do you actually want to stop working or be what we call financially independent. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people get insulted by the fact when I start talking to them in their 50s about retirement. They're like, well, why would I retire? I'm like the most important person in my company. Everybody loves me. My whole ego is tied into my career. Why do you want me to retire? So we like that whole idea of 
just be financially independent. Have that big pile of go to hell money. If somebody in your firm ticks you off, you don't need the job any longer. That's power. That's real power. And it's also getting to that point where you're getting into, we talked about this last time, is that financial red zone. The decisions that you make in your 50s really can have a very drastic impact on your long-term financial plan. So getting a really good handle on your budget, you know, making sure that you're making those catch-up contributions and doing everything possible to have a bulletproof portfolio, a consistent all-weather portfolio is more important at that period of time than any other time. And it's not just your income. It's just not your portfolio. At this point now, you're thinking about your estate. You're thinking about your legacy. You know, you're actually thinking into a bigger realm of uh, ways to contribute, you know, back to society. So it's really a more in-depth plan when you're in your 50s and in the 30s and 40s, which are quite simple. And then the rubber actually meets the road in your 60s, especially your early 60s, when at this point, it's probably pretty real. You're probably at the point where you're pretty close to being retired. You know your number. You've been planning for it in your 50s. And this is where we talk about building that income plan, because now the reality of it is the paycheck's going to go away. How do I take Social Security? How do I draw from my portfolio? It gets really critical at this stage of the game, guys. Well, that's, I think, a big mistake a lot of, of you make in your 60s if you're not factoring in what happens with inflation, what happens with taxes as you you know have to take money out of your 401k when you do retire in your 70s. You have to look in your early 60s to make sure you understand that your money has to grow net of inflation, that compounding inherent insidious tax that steals from us every day. Absolutely, Dad. And you know what? The 70s can be a little bit scary because that's when those RMDs or those required minimum distributions kick in. And that's when the government requires you to start taking money out of your pre-tax assets, your IRAs, 401ks. And basically, I call it, it's time to pay the pauper because that's when the government's expecting their money. And this can increase things like your annual income tax. So you really got to think about that You know, with all your other assets you could potentially put yourself in a very difficult tax situation. So that's why that stuff needs to be reviewed ahead of time. Chris, it's a great problem to have is have too much money in your retirement accounts. And if you follow all the steps that we recommended in your 30s and 40s and 50s, you know, all of you will be multi, multi-millionaires in your 70s. And most of it, a lot of it will be coming out of those required minimum distributions. So there's lots of things you can do in those 10 years you know, in that red zone to minimize the taxes up from the government. Well, when you get in your 70s, it's we call it the proverbial ticking tax time bomb because you do have to take those mandatory distributions. And that's the beauty of it. If you do planning ahead of time, you can mitigate that by the time you hit your 70s where, and a lot of times we can even make it where you're in a lower tax bracket. But if you don't plan, you could be in your highest tax bracket in your 70s. And we see this all the time. So if you're in your 70s, it's okay. We can figure it out. But it's better if you start working on this planning process but I think the gist of it here is the earlier you get on that planning, the more things you can do proactively to put everything in your favor. I think what you're really saying here, Rye, is the most important age to focus on your financial plan is the age you're at right now. Bob, Chris, and I now have spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over 500000 and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, 
tax optimization, a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right track to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast today. And if you really like our podcast, don't be shy. Click on that like button. And if you want our podcast sent to you directly every single week, click on the subscribe button or become a subscriber and you can get this information in your inbox weekly. So Chris and Bob, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, the largest infrastructure project ever in the US was the interstate highway system, the brainchild of President Dwight D. Eisenhower. As a World War II commander, he watched and was inspired by the German troops speeding from front to front on the autobahns. The Highway Act won passage in 1956 and soon contributed to a huge post-war economic boom. Yeah, if you're ever wondering why is the stock market in a big, booming, secular bull market right now, one thing that's contributing is the thought of us passing a huge infrastructure bill, something, Rye and Chris, that this country really needs right now. You know, it takes 22 hours by train to get from New York to Chicago. And the same distance in from Beijing to Shanghai, it's only four and a half hours. What's that say about our infrastructure? All right, Chris, record low mortgage rates last year led to a huge 13.2% jump in the median price of a single family home in America to 313700 You know, one of my clients recently went to buy a house this year and the same house that they looked at a year ago is more $100,000 more expensive today than it was 12 months ago. Huh. The only deals here in New York, the problem is 300000 will buy you maybe one room in a Manhattan apartment. So it's not a great deal still. Bob, Walmart is still the world's largest retailer when measured by revenue, not Amazon. With 2021 fiscal sales of $559 billion or larger than all but 21 countries' gross domestic product. Yeah, you got to love Walmart, Ryan. I, I know you love that website where they you can see all the Walmart shoppers. So hopefully, Walmart will continue to be the world's largest retailer because you know I know you need to be entertained, right? Hey, Bob, we're just trying to keep you employed so you don't become a Walmart greeter. That's what we're here for. So Chris, the 90-year-old Empire State Building said in its fourth quarter financial results that the number of visitors to its observatory declined by 94% in the fourth quarter of 2020 to 55,000 from 894,000 people visiting just a year earlier. Well, it sounds like New York's become a ghost town, Ryan. I think if you're uh, ambitious about seeing some of the great landmarks in New York City, maybe now's a good time to go. Yeah, I think it's beautiful up there, 20 degrees, (laughs) gray skies every day. I I think you probably want to wait. So Bob, during 16 post-war periods in which interest rates went up, the S&P 500 was up in 13 of those windows with an annual rate of return of 13%. In other words, rising rates and rising stocks go hand in hand more often than not. Stocks are actually an inflation hedge. Right. Stocks are the greatest inflation hedge because they're backed by real assets, right? When you own a stock, you own companies that own buildings. They have airplanes, trucks, inventory, and they also have sales and revenues that go up. As revenues go up, dividends go up. As dividends go up, the yield goes up and that offsets inflation. If you want to be prepared for inflation, you want to make sure you have equities in your portfolio. Yeah, it's counterintuitive when people say, I'm afraid of the stock market because of inflation. It's the other way around. I need to own stocks because of inflation. Chris, thriving tech giants, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, and Facebook grew their revenue by 18% last year, 
versus a 5% decline for the other 495 companies and the S&P 500. No wonder why those stocks did so well. Well, you know what, Rod? Based on those performance numbers, they really should probably be calling it the S&P 5. Yes. And now the problem is the S&P 5 is lagging the rest of the market. Hence, you need to reallocate your portfolio now, as we say on this show every single week. Well, another great show, gentlemen. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at bebullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.